My pronouns are she, her, hers, and I serve the Unitarian Church of Edmonton as the president of the Board of Trustees. Welcome to the Unitarian Church of Edmonton's online Zoom service. We are a liberal, multi-generational religious community. We celebrate a rich mosaic of free thinking, spiritually questing individuals joined in common support and action. We welcome diversity including diversity of beliefs, from divine believers to humanists, from pagans to atheists and agnostics. We believe in the compassion of the human heart, the warmth of community, the pursuit of justice, and the search of meaning in our lives. Whether you've been part of our congregation for decades, or this is your first time visiting, we welcome you. Whatever the faith and traditions of your past, we welcome you. Whatever your theological stance, we welcome you. Whatever your heritage, we welcome you. Whoever you are and whomever you love, we welcome you, the whole of you. We especially welcome any visitors who might be with us today and invite you to join us for conversation in the breakout rooms once the service is ended. We invite you to go to place your name and contact information in our online guestbook, which you can find on the uce.ca website. You will find a link to the guestbook at the top of the chat box. Good morning. I'm Yvonne Miro. I'm a longtime member of UCE and a member of the Church Services Committee as well as the ITT. Today, I am the worship reader. We gather in gratitude today on Treaty 6 land. A treaty is an inherited responsibility and a relationship between peoples. As part of reconciling that relationship, 
we begin today to share with you the new Indigenous names given to Edmonton's 12 redrawn municipal wards. These names were chosen by a panel of 17 Indigenous women, the Committee of Indigenous Matriarchs, and approved by City Council in December. To today we share with you Ward 1, the Nakoda Iska. It is located in West Central Edmonton, north of the White Mud. The word Iska is Sioux and means the people. Local Sioux people are the Alexis Nakoda Sioux. Good morning. I'm Reverend Leanne Washington, and I'm delighted to serve as the Interim Minister for the Unitarian Church of Edmonton. Each month, we have a theme. The theme for February is Beloved Community. February is also Black History Month in Canada and the United States. So it seems particularly appropriate today to share with you the Promise and the Practice Service that was created by Unitarian Universalists of Color as a way for Unitarian Universalist congregations to lift up often unheard voices of color, particularly black voices. If you're joining us today as a guest, know that you are witnessing this Unitarian Universalist congregation doing sacred work. Collectively, we will wrestle with what it means to be a majority white faith whose anti-racist intentions have not always been borne out. We invite you to witness this moment of transparency and vision and to return on future Sundays for more traditional worship services. Our worship service this morning is uniquely prophetic. It calls us, those of us who identify as white, to listen humbly and perhaps with some discomfort. We'll be listening to the lived reality of Black Unitarian Universalists in our midst. This discomfort is both a gesture of hospitality to voices that have not been heard enough and a sign that we are growing in the right direction. Already, I imagine that some of you are telling yourselves that racism against Black people isn't as much of a problem in Canada as it is in the United States, or that such racism is rare and occurs mostly in the eastern portions of Canada. Well, on October 2nd, 2020, Omar Mosley at the Edmonton Bureau of the Toronto Star wrote an article titled, What's it like to be a person of color in Alberta? For some, it means facing overt racism, cruel comments, and violent confrontations. In the article, Omar notes that Alberta's diversity has increased at a faster pace than the rest of Canada. In 2016, 23.5% of Albertans identified as visible minorities an increase of 5.1% from 2011. Nationwide, the number of Canadians who identified as visible minorities increased by only 3.2% in the same time period. 
He also noted that the province has seen a steady rise in hate crimes in recent years, from 139 such incidents in 2016 to 207 incidents just two years later. As you know, on Wednesdays, we gather for a lunch and learn program. So far this month, we have been discussing white privilege and microaggressions. This Wednesday coming up, we will be discussing how we can use our privilege to become white allies to people of color in our midst. Omar interviewed a black resident of Lacombe near Red Deer who moved to Canada from the Bahamas in 2007. Those who have been sharing their lunches with me on Wednesdays will not be surprised that she says that her Canadian identity is frequently questioned. She's always being asked to shorten her name and is regularly subjected to people touching her Afro while she's standing in line at the grocery store. Another Albertan whose family was among the first thousand black Americans to come to Alberta and who has lived in Alberta her entire life reported that racism is something she's accustomed to as a black woman. The most frequent affront is being told to go back to your country. If hearing this makes you feel uncomfortable, well, then you are in good company. We who are Unitarian Universalists often choose to make ourselves uncomfortable in the service of our meaning making. We recognize our discomfort as evidence that we're growing. Today, if you feel discomfort arise within you, especially if you're white, we invite you to practice being curious and to allow your discomfort to lead you to new learning. If you are a person of color witnessing white people, us, just beginning to do the work to end racism in all its forms, thank you for your witness. And we understand if at some point you feel you need to leave this particular service. We look forward to seeing you next Sunday. And we totally appreciate your ability to be here with us. A mistake white folks often make is requesting one person of color to answer for all people of color. Let's not make that mistake. Sometimes we seek reassurance from our friends of color that we are somehow exempt from everything that we have heard about white privilege, individual racism or systemic racism. Let's not make that mistake either. A particularly egregious mistake is to confront and even doubt the personal experiences had by our friends of color. Let's not do that either. Let's respect everyone's privacy and agency and let such conversations occur, if they do occur, naturally, at a time and place and a manner appropriate to our relationships and comfortable for our friends of color. This service intentionally raises up the voices of certain people of color within the Unitarian Universalist world who considered speaking truth to power part of their respective ministries within Unitarian Universalism. Viola Abbott is a black colleague and friend serving the Coastal Virginia Unitarian Universalist in Virginia Beach. 
She wrote the following call to worship, especially for the promise and the practice service. We are Unitarian Universalists. When we lift up our seven principles, some of us think of them as a form of theology, but they are more important to our collective than that. They do not tell us what we should believe. They tell us how we should be. They tell us how we should act in the larger world and with each other. We are brought here today by the fact that Unitarian Universalism has fallen short of the image that was presented to the world and to many of those who embrace this religion. But we are also brought here today by the truth that Unitarian Universalism has shifted course to move toward a place of wholeness, a place that perhaps never existed for us as a denomination. It has been a long and sometimes unforgiving road to today, but we are here today because we are mindful of that past and because we have hope for the future. We want the practice of this faith to be a fulfilling manifestation of its promise. Open your hearts. Seek new ways of understanding. Come, let us worship together. We begin our sacred time together as congregations around the world do by lighting our chalice. As we light our chalice, Yvonne Moreau will read A Beloved People, written by Rebecca Savage for the Promise and the Practice Service. We light our flaming chalice as a beloved people, united in love and thirsting for restorative justice. May it melt away the tethers that uphold whiteness in our midst. May it spark in us a spirit of humility. May it ignite in us a radical love that transforms our energy into purposeful actions. This is a chalice of audacious hope. This chalice shines a light on our shared past, signaling our intention to listen deeply, reflect wisely, move boldly towards our highest ideals. In keeping with our intent to raise up the voices of people of color, our opening song is a traditional spiritual of lament and of aspiration, sung by those who endured slavery. It speaks to their resistance against the slave masters' attempts to limit who they were, what they could do, who they could love, and how they could live. It speaks of hope for a better life somewhere beyond the plantation system that enslaved them. With mics muted, please join in singing hymn number 95, There is More Love Somewhere. There is more love somewhere there is more love somewhere 
summer at General Assembly, I walked out of, the, out of the sanctuary we had made from the convention center space. As tired as I was, I returned more and more to my deeply introverted default of self, and I passed a woman who had to stop to talk to me. My religious professionals who have led a morning worship service know this is where the work begins. She walked up to me and said, Dr. Rideout. Because she had enough grace to remind me of my title, she gave me the opportunity to resume my church face and posture. She held my hands as if we had known each other for the longest time. She looked into my eyes and said, you know what? I always sing that song. There is more love right here. There is more love right here. I'm going to keep on because I found it. There is more love right here. And I don't understand 
why it is that we don't sing that here at General Assembly. We've already found a community of love. And because she had enough compassion and grace to call me Dr. Rideout, she had given me enough time and opportunity to summon up a bit of stillness from the weary remnants of my churchman's posture. She looked into my eyes and spoke and sang to me with her own truth. She asked with genuine curiosity, why it is that we don't all sing the words that she had come to know? I was compelled to respond to the woman I had just met with, thank you for trusting me with that question. And then I explained to her why I thought it was necessary, particularly with the music of people of color, that we enter and examine these songs with more curiosity than colonization. I thanked her and I explained that for those of us who live with the privilege of knowing love, it can be difficult to understand the perspective of one whose lives, who lives without such a privilege. I explained that it can be difficult to understand Let's wait a moment and see if Gordon comes back online. If not, I will continue the reading. I thanked her and I explained that for those of us who live with the privilege of knowing love, it can be difficult to understand the perspective of one who lives without such a privilege. I explain that it can be difficult to understand the lived experience of those who have trouble finding the evidence of love in their immediate vicinity, in their church, in their neighborhood, in their city, in their nation, even in their planet. I thanked her and I explained that for some who don't share the privilege of perceiving love right here, moving toward that idea of privilege had become a vital practice of black faith. I offered that if we, as a spiritual community of Unitarian Universalists, populated by well-meaning people, are to mean anything to the lives and the deaths of people of color, we must begin by learning, not squelching, the forms of expression that arise from these living perspectives. And she said, thank you. I've never heard it expressed that way. I've never understood it that way. And I will never sing it that same way again. When we inhabit the music, the forms of expression of people who lived their lives along the margins of notice, we must notice that we have entered into holy ground, a sacred space of learning, a sacred space of relationship.
An important part of our community is the sacred space of relationship that we create when we share the joys and sorrows of our lives. If you have a personally significant joy or sorrow, please type it into the chat window at the bottom of the screen where we will be able to see it. I will read them aloud. Well, I'll do my best to read them aloud. Your joys and sorrows will be part of our posted recording of the service. If you would not like to have your joy or sorrow available to the public, then indicate that in the chat with the prefix private, and then your joy or sorrow. You may also send your joy or sorrow to candles at uce.ca. While you compose your joys and sorrows, please take a moment to reflect upon the joys and sorrows in the life of our community at UCE and in Edmonton while enjoying some heart music offered by Gordon Ritchie. a candle of concern for her sister Amy who's been in the hospital. Maria lights a candle of concern because work has been slow, but slow enough since the holidays that she's actually going to look into whether she qualifies for EI. Jane lights a candle of concern for a friend whose dog is dying. Sherry lights a candle of joy for Mika, my sister, who had Remy Thatcher Ennis, born yesterday at 9.30 a.m. Congratulations. To Yvonne for the courage, uh, sorry, Yvonne lights a candle of appreciation for the courage and insight to know her fight her part in the fight for racial equality. And Lynn lights a candle of appreciation for all of the caring acts and messages that she has been receiving as she recovers from surgery. Now, I will light one candle 
for all the unspoken joys and sorrows held within the sanctuary of our hearts, and also for all those who have yet to find a spiritual home where they can share their joys and sorrows. Now that we have lit our candles of connection, I invite you to enjoy a moment of reflection as you listen to some meditative drumming offered by an anonymous musician. Our next reading was written by Reverend Connie Simon for the Promise and Practice Worship Service. She serves as Minister of First Unitarian Church of Cincinnati. 
Prior to entering the ministry, she served as a lawyer, a political consultant, small business owner, an event planner, teacher, realtor, and program director for a nonprofit. At the heart of each position has been a desire to serve others. Reverend Connie describes her ministry as healing people from the inside out so they can do the work outside in so that our world will be healed. It is the work our world so desperately needs. She writes, when I started attending a UU church, I was excited by the promise of worship that would draw from the arts, science, nature, literature, and a multitude of voices. Indeed, some of the voices that Unitarian Universalists hear in worship each week belong to Thoreau, Emerson, Balu, and others. Their words are beautiful, but they come from a culture and experience that's foreign to me. When do I get to hear voices from my culture? I quickly learned that, other than the same few quotes from Martin Luther King Jr. and Howard Thurman's The Work of Christmas, it wasn't going to happen. I sit attentively and listen with my head to their voices, while my heart longs to hear more of our voices. I am a Black woman. When I look around on Sunday morning, I don't see many people who look like me. And most of the congregations I visit, I don't see anybody who looks like me. So I guess I shouldn't be surprised that I don't hear voices of people who share my experience. But it still hurts. I want to hear voices that tell the struggle of living under the weight of oppression in this culture of white supremacy. I want to hear stories of trying to stay afloat in the water we swim in. I want to hear voices of living while black in America or in Canada. I don't hear those voices in UU churches, so I have to supplement my worship by reading black theologians like Anthony Penn and Monica Coleman. I read Maya Angelou, James Baldwin, and my favorite poet, Paul Lawrence Dunbar. Though not a Unitarian or a Universalist, Dunbar chronicled the African-American experience in the years following the Civil War and the emancipation of enslaved Africans, a time of opportunities for Blacks as we migrated North in droves seeking employment and education, but also a time of continuing segregation, racism, and oppression. Dunbar acknowledged this tension in his writing. We hear him long for joy and prosperity, while at the same time knowing that the system would conspire to keep true happiness just beyond his grasp. A pint of joy to a peck of trouble, and never a laugh, but the moans come double. And that is life. Still, he was a champion of social justice, believing that God has sympathy for the plight of the oppressed and that his grace will be bestowed not on those who soar, but they who plod their rugged way, unhelped to God. 
For Dunbar, the struggle was real. 100 years later, hearing Dunbar express his frustration and give voice to the contradictions of our existences as African-Americans encourages me and nourishes my soul. His voice speaks to my heart. He knows my pain and understands my sadness, my fear, and my rage. He understands the tears I cry as I pray for strength to get through another day in this world. He gives voice to my faith that real change is coming someday. He didn't see it in his lifetime, and I might not see it in mine, but I have to believe. I have to keep believing it's possible. That's the message many African-Americans long to hear in church. I know that's what I need to hear every now and then. Will it ever happen? Or will we always have to go outside to hear our voices? If that's the case, maybe there's no place for us in Unitarian Universalism. The thought of leaving is painful, but so is being in a faith that ignores our voices. Within Unitarian Universalism, every voice should be heard and every spiritual experience should be honored. Please enjoy this youthful rendition of an African-American spiritual sung during slavery as a prayer of personal validation and hope for freedom and justice. Hymn number 1040, Hush. Ooh, hush.
But unsettling things continued to happen. There was an issue with my daughter in childcare. They felt she was a problem and difficult in comparison with the other children. Although a very kind person noted that she couldn't understand how my child was deemed a problem when she was doing the same things all the other children were doing. Then a black child, the same age as my son, 12 years old, came crying to me one night. He was being bullied, but he wasn't being heard because the adults around him insisted that they knew that girl and she would never say those things. The child trusted me as a black mother. He trusted that I was the only person at the camp who would listen and believe him. I brought the matter out in the open. The typical excuses followed, like the boy misunderstood what she meant and he was just being too sensitive and, oh, it was just in fun and nothing was really meant by her comments. I tuned those excuses out and I spent a lot of time alone that week. When my daughter and I walked around the conference center, I saw reminders of racism everywhere, from the statues and memorials to the paintings on the walls. It was everywhere. It was clear as day. Your kind are not welcome here. I would end my strolls by going to the dining hall, only to find there was no table for me. Not because there weren't empty chairs, but because I was told that there was no room at the table for me and my toddler. The empty seats were for other people, I was told, and they couldn't make room for me. The pattern became so distressing that on most days I considered not eating, but I couldn't let my child starve. If my new friend was there, she always made room for me. And there were the kids. After the incident with the young black boy, the kids came to me quite a bit to mediate things going on between them. They even took turns giving me a break from my little one. Eventually, one of them would see me trying to find a table and no matter how many people were at their table, they would find a way to squeeze me and my little one in. As kind as they were, they ate quickly and were off. And again, I was left alone in the silence as all the tables around me buzzed with talk and laughter and I sat there alone, staring at my one-year-old. Then one evening, my youngest finally settled down enough for me to attend evening worship. I was so excited. I grabbed my lantern and journeyed to the chapel. The guest speaker spoke so eloquently about what he called the elephant in the space how the camp was rooted in racism. His words brought, to me, brought me to the edge of my seat. I was thrilled and excited. I hadn't been paranoid. This white man saw what I saw. He was naming my hurt, my truth, and I was elated. As we left worship, my heart felt light. In the darkness that surrounded us, the voices started. I heard campers who couldn't see me, a black woman listening. I heard them agree that it was one of the worst services they had been to at the camp and how they couldn't believe he dared to say those things and how they who come to the chapel to be uplifted did not want to have 
that kind of mess thrown in their face. I melted into the darkness that surrounded us. That night, I cried myself to sleep. When I left the camp at the end of the week, the knot that had formed in my stomach started to ease. Once home, I shared my story, my truth, with multiple people who were connected to the camp and its programs. People who I believed might use my experience to make future conferences and retreats more welcoming. I even offered to teach, to add some diversity to future retreats. I was told by each person that they would pass on my information and have someone contact me so they could get a better idea of what happened and how I felt so it wouldn't happen to others. That never happened. I sent several emails and responded to all the surveys and asked to be heard. But as usual, when I bring up concerns about race, there's only silence in response. Fast forward nearly a year and the approach of another summer. My oldest two children chatted excitedly about going back to the camp. Although I'd explained that it took two years of funds and planning to go, they were still hopeful that we could make it work for this summer. I felt anxious, I felt guilty, and I could feel the knot creeping back into my stomach. I wanted them to see their friends and go back to a place they had come to love, and yet I couldn't see myself stepping foot in that retreat center. I broke down one day. I shared with my oldest two children my experiences the previous summer. Their father is white, and at times I choose not to tell them things that I feel would cast a negative light on white people as to not give them negative feelings toward their family or be torn about their own genetic makeup. But I can be silent no more. And as I shared with them my experiences and my time at the camp, they sat there not saying a word, but staring at me with silent tears rolling down their cheeks. They asked me why I hadn't said anything during our week at the camp. Why hadn't I shared with them sooner? Like a lot of parents, I answered that I wanted to protect them and not give a negative light to such an enriching experience that they had had. My oldest child then asked me if I often sit in silence and hold in the pain. I answered him truthfully. I answered with a yes. Many times as a black woman, I hold in my pain and my experiences to protect others, to keep and hold up the white fragility that I have been taught or rather trained to value more than my own feelings and my own experiences, more even than my own needs and self-worth. I have been trained to minimize myself, my light, my voice, to just grin and bear it to put up with it because I should know that they mean well. Or I didn't want to seem too sensitive or to be the angry black person in the room. But I'm tired of being silent. It's a heavy load to carry day in and day out. Sometimes I'd like to take off my blackness and pick it up another day.
Sometimes it's just too heavy a load, but I can't, so I press on. So I ask this question whenever someone will listen. Who is standing in your dining hall looking for a seat at the table? And can you make room for them too? While written in the 20th century, our next song was written in the style of other much earlier spirituals. It affirms the individual worth of oppressed people everywhere and under many different circumstances. With the mics muted, please join in singing hymn number 1007, There's a River Flowing in My Soul.
My name is Andrew Mills and I'm the chair of the Canvas uh, Committee. Generosity is a spiritual practice, one that enlarges the heart and lightens the spirit. For no matter how much or how little we have in the sharing of it, both the one who gives and the one who receives are blessed. We are a self-governing and self-supporting community. We, rel we rely on your donations to support our staff and offer our programs. Now more than ever, we need your financial support. Please visit our website at uce.ca to find the donation method that best suits you and to see more about our canvas, which is reemergence, which is in the month of March. For the month of this February, we also encourage you to support the iHuman Youth Society. There is a link on uh, our website to their website, or you can search for iHuman directly. Please visit their website for more information about them, and uh, please give generously to support both our church and iHuman. With your mics muted, please join us in singing hymn 402, From You I Receive. Before we bring our time together to a close, I'd like to recognize and thank those who have made this time together possible. Our host and greeter, Susan Rutan, our slide creator and slide runner, Andrew Mills, our board member, Karen Belita, our reader, Yvonne Moreau, our breakout rooms, Jan McMillan, our service recorder, Karen Belita. I also want to thank you who have stayed with us and have opened your hearts and minds to the experiences and perspectives of some of our Unitarian Universalist siblings of color. Being able to hear the voices of our siblings of color enables us to begin the often long and slow work of rooting out individual acts of racism and dismantling systemic racism, which privileges white people over people of color. As we close our time together, I share with you a benediction written by Reverend Kimberly Quinn Johnson for use in the practice, the promise and the practice service. Reverend Johnson is the minister of the Unitarian Universalist Congregation of the South Fork. Among her specialties are anti-racism and youth ministry. Please pay heed to how she empowers us and believes in us. We are the ones we have been waiting for. We are not perfect, but we are perfectly fitted for this day. We are not without fault, but we can be honest to face our past as we chart a new future. We are the ones we have been waiting for. May we be bold and courageous to chart that new future. May we have faith in a future that is not known. We are the ones we have been waiting for. As we extinguish our chalice, Yvonne Moreau will read Kindle New Sparks, written by Deborah Burrell, a member of the Unitarian Universalist Church of Birmingham, Alabama. Kindle New Sparks. 
We have basked in the warmth of this flame and this community. As the chalice flame is extinguished, let us carry its glow within. Let us kindle new sparks within these walls and beyond. Blessed be. With mics muted, please join in singing our closing song, Carry the Flame. our worship service this morning. Now is the time to take a short comfort break, get a cup of coffee, and watch our weekly announcements as they slide by. Jan, would you like to say something about the sing-along? Sorry. There we go. I invite all of you to register for a special Edmonton sing-along this afternoon with Unitarian song leaders from Victoria, Kathy Baker and Dick Jackson. Mm -hmm. 